Today is June 15th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Mekoche Chestakomaki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is a Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bogani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Metis, Inuit status, and non status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my name and I'll just announce he actually just got his doctorate in the last couple of days. So he's now Dr. Elder. Uh, I was born here in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott in English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hair people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down my red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So I was just playing around on Twitter and I came across Jim. Jim, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm James Rafferty. I'm from, or Jim, from uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. Yeah, so I seen you on uh, Twitter and you had just a couple of followers and I'm like, what the heck? And I looked and you had written a book and you were looking for somebody to talk about your book. And right away I put Eagle Speaker Publishing right away because that um, I know that they've done that work in the past and uh, they're they're here in Calgary. But um, I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, going on Twitter, going as uh, making a book, your your decision to do all of that and just introduce a little bit about what what was the impetus that made you want to have a book? Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I actually emailed those people already that you recommended. So hopefully I hear back from them. Um, well, it just came about like I've been creative for all my life, but I always wanted to write a book and I would always be that guy who's like, when I finish my book, but I'd never finished my book. So eventually, like 
three months ago, I was like, or no, actually longer, four or five months ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to start this book because I just had a lot on my mind and I just kind of wanted to get it all out there. Yes, no kidding. I um, So I had a look at your book and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's so native. <laughs> There's so many levels here, like literally that you were born at the Charles Campbell Hospital in Edmonton. So yeah. that says to me, um, you were likely a scooped kid and mama was in a really bad situation to have been at that hospital. Holy. Yeah, I don't know the exact full story of it. So um, that's why I'm still pretty bitter at my mom, birth mom. But I would love to know the full story, but she doesn't talk to me, so I can't really get to the bottom of it. Yeah, um, so I, I can tell you a little bit about my red road, uh, finding out later, and as opposed to at the time. And um, so I harbored a lot of anger at my family as well. And once I started the journey of understanding some of the policies that, um, you know, they were under, especially at that time, uh, you say here that you were born in 1978, I was born in 1977. And uh, so we're so close in age. So a lot of uh, similar policies that were being imposed on my mom was being imposed on your mom as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine um, for her to have been at that Charles Campbell Hospital um, might indicate a lot of things that might indicate that she's, um, you know, she was in an Indian hospital on purpose by whatever authority and i i don't know her story so I, i'll let you yeah. tell your story of what you're comfortable telling oh okay yeah well uh where do you want me to start just the I'm beginning like, yeah well right away you have uh, great photos within um everything that you say and that's that's wonderful yeah i tried to like um capture it as good as possible like uh each year that i documented so, I don't know, I was born on February 6, 1978, Charles Campbell Hospital. Um, from there, I was, ah, what happened? I just decided to show everybody the, these cute pictures. That's what happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I got <laughs> caught be. off guard there. Don't be. Okay. Um, where was I? Um, oh, man. Okay, this is where I take that drink because I totally thrown off <laughs> yep that's totally fine okay <laughs> anyways I was um born there and then my mother from what I know like I can't like clarify everything so that's what's kind of frustrating because there's some stories where she abandoned me and there's other stories where she actually had me taking a, taken away from her and so it's, I could have researched that, but I wanted to just deal with myself and um, my anger towards that. So I think I want to write another book based on what I might learn if I actually, um, like, uh, we, I've tried so hard with my birth mother, like I actually went and lived with her. And she wouldn't even talk to me then. So I kind of just gave up after that because I want to know where I came from or what was the story and she won't even tell me so I get it secondhand and so I wrote basically based from what I know like 
I wish I could like have that firsthand account and like what happened exactly in the hospital. But from what I heard, I was abandoned. Like on my adoption certificate, it says baby as my name. Um, so that's why I came up with baby no name because when my, when I went to the foster home, that's what was my name. And then when my parents adopted me and it was on my adoption records as baby. So I was like, Oh, it's pretty upset that she didn't even name there to say that I have a name. Like I just found out from my cousin uh, that I had a name like the other day. Cause I sent him my book. Uh, he's world famous actor Nathaniel Arcand. And yeah. So he said my name's Bradley, but I have to look into it. So that'd probably be the second book if yeah, I do a second fair. one. <laughs> well, that is totally fair. Um, yeah. So at that time, what I know is that um, Indian residential schools were still happening. And mm -hmm. um, our, a lot of our uh, families were forced to go to them. So my, mine included. And mm -hmm. as a result, um, like my, my uh, grandmother's first child was actually a, a rape baby and uh, okay. uh, yeah and um my my mother was actually born from rape and that was well i would argue today it's still very common for indigenous women to be raped and uh, so that's why i have no time for you know folks that are like oh you're only half breed oh you're not full native and it's like well you don't know my story you don't know yeah. my mom's story you don't know my grandma's story and i know that we have no rights I'm in 2021 and uh, when I had my daughter in 2007, they still wanted to apprehend her because the uh, 60 scoop is a policy that's in existence today. Um, a lot of the messages I'm supposed to be moving and instead I'm doing the whole, um, you know, issue of talking to people whose kids are being apprehended for no other reason than racism. Yeah. These are the issues we still face today because we're native and because government policy is the way it is and you don't you're not meant to know and neither is anybody else so mm -hmm. it's really problematic because you know you feel really hurt by your mom not even naming you but we don't we don't know the circumstances yeah right and but, i yeah. i don't want to assume the best but i also know the realities of that time and i know mm -hmm. that um i was lucky enough to not be a rape baby and that's like first for our generations yeah. <laughs> you know um i'm the first generation to be able to raise my own child and i'm sure that has everything to do with the fact that my my husband is a non-status um native or a non-status man you know mm -hmm. if he was native i'm sure our child would have been apprehended and we would not have had the right to even um raise her so yeah. you know like this is where we're starting at so i understand your anger because none of this was explained to me until I was way older. And it wasn't even my own family that explained it to me. It was my research that I had done into um, when I knew Indian residential schools to be as an atrocity, you know, mm. and I knew that there were graves around every single um, school, but people wrote it off because of like a, a spokesperson who was white. And, and it, it was really an awful experience to have people always undermine the reality and the truth that's yeah. actually part of the reason why i started the podcast because you're not you you know i've been i've seen records of people like people i know i watched them get pregnant have baby get apprehended and what they wrote in their file is grossly wrong 
And that's the type of legacy, of course, as a child, how are you supposed to know? And that's, yeah. that's the evilness of the 60 scoop policy that continues today. Some people call it the millennium scoop now as well. And, and uh, you're directly impacted by that. And people don't understand, you know, the loss of identity, the anger that you, yes. all of that, right? So yeah. it's a lot of that as well. And uh, anyway, you know, I, I just, I, I definitely would want to help you in your red road journey as well. And, and, and just to help you try to uncover and that book number two will be amazing, right? It'll, yeah. Yeah. The revision of the first book or however it looks, it'll be amazing. So, you know, as you, as you go down this and uh, I just wanted to kind of show people pictures as we, we go. So if you're not on my YouTube, if you're just hearing this, there's this cute picture of a, of a, of a photo of us, obviously in our, like, you know, five to seven age range and it just says foster kid on it jim do you want to go into that at all um yeah sure that's um my adoptive brother mark and my adoptive brother sean uh mark was from the same hospital as i was but he was born in 1971 and so he was a bit older than i was and sean was born in 1970 i don't know where sean came from because he was a white kid so that one i have no idea about yeah that's cute though that it's a cute picture it looks like you guys are like a dying to eat birthday cake so yeah it's super cute yeah he was a yeah that's my big brother mark yeah so i've moved down to another photo here where it's like you're inside i don't know a cutlass or something the door's <laughs> open you guys are hanging out in your amazing 80s out outfits with like total butterfly collars I'm loving yeah. it. Love because it. This is, reminds me of me and my childhood because I was born so close to you. So mm -hmm. uh, I love these pictures so much. <laughs> yeah, like when I got them from my mother, they was just brought back so many memories, like stuff I didn't think I remembered, and I still remember just based on like how like good it was at some points, I guess, and how bad it was at some during some of it. But yeah. Um, I've skimmed over um, a lot of your story already, and it really I caught a lot of different places that you've been in. And in this last picture that we're looking at, it says right here, Coleman, Alberta. So how many places had you lived up to this moment here in Coleman, Alberta? Uh, up to that point, uh, well, I went from the hospital to a foster home to Coleman. Yeah, so basically my first home was Coleman, Alberta. And then from there, we moved on to Vancouver Island. And then, yeah, we moved lots, like, based on what my dad would get jobs at, so. Do you remember what your dad did? Yeah, he was a warehouse manager for Ecall Electric. Mm. I don't know if I can, can I say businesses on here? Is that fine? Yeah, I'm totally oh, fine okay. with that. Yeah, especially if they treat you good. Um, if yeah. they treat you bad, then I might bleep it out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, uh, it, yeah. and only because... Um, you know, I, I don't want to have you have a lawsuit because we did a stupid podcast, right? Like, that's not okay. Yeah. I want you to be, um, you know, safe uh, to, to say what you'd like to say. So um, Penhold, Alberta. So I have ties there. So I grew up in Sylvan Lake, went from mm -hmm. grade three until I graduated. So okay. yeah, that whole central Alberta area, of course, we it, it just seemed like we were all rivals with each other, but we always had relations in some way. 
So uh, when I was older, in my teens, I became a sea cadet. And at that time, before the major cuts that happened under Chrétien, we had, uh, you know, sports weekends and all sorts of like fun weekends, camp weekends that we would have in Penhold, Alberta. So, um, oh, and this was before human rights. Human rights came into effect in 92, I think. I want to say 92. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but we mocked it at that time. So prior to that, that we were having fun in Penhold, let's put it that way. And they had the air shows and such. So um, yeah, so when, when I see that, that's what I think of is air shows and, um, and playing around on the base. Oh yeah. I never really got to go to the base when we lived there. Mm. There just you go. Always, yeah. It's just always in Penhold. Yeah. What are your, some of your favorite memories there? Of Penhold? Yeah. I, I don't really have that many good memories. I have bad memories. And that was basically the, when the challenger blew up and we, the teacher made us watch, no, it didn't make us, but she let us watch it while it was going on live. And that was kind of like shocking. And as a child, like I still can remember it clearly because it was so like out of nowhere. Yeah, no, I remember that moment. I was sitting in a classroom in Sylvan Lake, same thing, but like, all of us were watching this all excited and then we just like stopped it cut it and we moved on as if nothing just happened and we didn't just witness that blow up <laughs> yeah it's um it was a tough time in some of like for my my adoptive parents it, um yeah we struggled because we came from bc like with nothing and then my dad got that job and then it was only him working and he had to provide for us all and it was a struggle for them, but they got through it. Yeah, I know it's hard though. I um, remember the eighties as a, in, in a really negative way too, especially earlier. Um, we had just moved to Fort McMurray and then the big oil crash happened actually. So weirdly oh, okay. enough, we had just moved up there and my dad was on unemployment right away because of that uh, oil crash. And um, yeah, and then we moved to Sylvan Lake in, I want to say, 93 or 94. That was when we oh. were there. Yep. Okay. This is another picture of me and my brother, Mark, in Red Deer. Red Deer was a great little city. I enjoyed Red Deer. Yeah. Although that's, yeah, I think that's where I experienced my first bit of racism, though. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised one tiny bit. Do you want to talk about that? What do you, what do you um, remember? I just remember kids like on the playground being like, oh, you're just an Indian. You're a dirty Indian. And I was kind of like, like at the time in my head, I was like, uh, I'm not an Indian. My parents are white. Cause like they didn't, like I knew I was adopted, but I didn't really know anything at all about my culture. Yep. So in my head, I was white. Like I'm they never, you. they never came to me and were like, you're a native. So uh, act like it. So, yeah, so that's how I learned racism. I didn't understand it. And I just, not even till later on in life, I didn't really realize they were being racist. Mm -hmm. So, but it was kind of like different, but it always stood out because I was like, yeah, I thought I was a white kid, but I guess not. Yeah, and I relate to that because uh, my white father was raising me uh, when we had moved to from from Calgary up to Fort McMurray. It was only with my dad and my stepmom, and my dad and my stepmom are both white. So um, it was really weird to me when people would be like, "But you're native, right?" And I'm be like, "Well, my mom is native. Um, my real mother is that's that's how I always referred to her was my real mother." And um, then anyway, she 
you know, in, I guess it was about 85 was when I got my, my status, 86. Yeah. And um, then I would say, yeah, I'm native. Um, I like, I'm half native, my mom. And people would be like, you have a status card. I'm like, yeah, well, you're native. And it's like, okay. But I didn't know what that meant. Like I was so yeah. disconnected. I had no concept. So I, I really feel you on the identity issue where people are imposing their racism on you, but you're, mm-hmm. you're a native, but you don't know what that even means. Yeah. So I was oblivious to whatever they were talking about. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay, let's keep playing then. Yeah. Like what else do you do? It's like, okay, whatever. Oh, yes. And the Bart Simpson mania happened in grade uh, five just- and six. You just passed them the 20% thing, though. That was, like, the most traumatic thing ever in my life. Why? um, Well, I'll tell you the story. Uh, We were in Red Deer. I was in grade four. My grades were not good. I was going to St. Elizabeth Seton School. And one day, I, like, because I was getting Ds, and I had to bring home a test to be signed by my birth or adopted father shouldn't say birth father and so I brought it home and I like didn't want to show him but eventually saw it and like um he slapped me across the face because I got 20% on the test and it kind of um since then it's kind of always been in my head and I've never ever forgot about it and it kind of ruined our relationship and uh, later on in life when I kind of like still held on to it and was still bitter because I felt like why would you slap me when I'm like eight or nine I don't even know exactly what age but what is that going to do to somebody like who looks up to this person as their hero and just gets slapped for no reason basically like my kids have not done good in school and I wouldn't even think about slapping them. So I don't understand why it was different for me. Yeah. So, and like, I don't, sorry. Were you the only one who got hit like that or? That's what I was just going to actually say is like, I don't know at all if my brothers got hit. So it kind of always made me feel like the black sheep of the family. Cause he never seemed to accept me and it's, and it goes on for the, like the rest of my book of him not accepting me. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. My friend, I, uh, I know how awful that feels. That's for sure. Um, I yeah. don't know how I just exited out of there, but I did. So that's no fun. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but I'm glad that you talk about it because um, I do this uh, program called Mending Broken Hearts, and it's basically a timeline of when traumas happen to us, and we mm. learn how to talk about them. So, like, you're literally doing that in your book here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's actually really uh, smart, and as you unpack it, of course, it just expands. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah, that was like. I think that was the main reason. One of the main reasons why I actually wanted to write this because I just had to get that off my chest and let people know that you know like as much as I didn't suffer in the way a lot of people have I had did suffer in my own way and we should all you know like realize that everybody has suffered and I don't know let them deal with it in their own way I guess 
Yeah, well, it's important that parents understand the trauma that they imposed on us. Um, but it's also like for me, a, a journey of understanding why things were the way they were at the time that they were. And it's been, that's hard, uh, especially now as parents, you know, I can't imagine using certain like things as a reason to hurt my child. And I worry about her all the time. And I, it's just impossible for me to understand as well. Like when you yeah. talked about your kids not doing good in school and hitting them as the solution, like that's tough. So um, anyway, grade five and six, we got a picture of you. And obviously it was Simpsons mania at the time. Yeah. It was, uh... Remember all those duck shirts we used to all have too? Like everything was uh, ducking great. No, I don't. Don't I remember, remember like, that phase. Chip and oh. Chip and Pepper. And... I remember Chip and Pepper. I had a great black and white shirt. <laughs> My parents were too cheap to buy me Chip and Pepper. Uh, I understand. I think it was a gift to me from one of my cool aunties. So... <laughs> it's always good to have cool aunties. I had really cool aunts and uncles that I was an, a jerk to and totally rejected because they were native. And only now that I'm older, do I understand like how cool they were. And mm -hmm. I mean, I knew at the time, a lot of my aunts and uncles were cool anyway, but I just knew because like, I remember the racism of that time. And I remember feeling so ashamed of being native. Like it was very clear from the messages we were getting in school, social media, or not social media, uh, the mainstream media, that yeah. it was not cool to be native at that time in central Alberta. So I remember. Did you want to talk about grade four and five at all? Or, or five, five and six? six? Yeah. Uh, they weren't really that memorable. It was like in, around 1990. So it was a, like a new decade. And yeah, it was, nothing really went on at that school. Yeah. Hey. yeah and then like, you came was, to H.J. Cody, where yes. I graduated from high school. And I went from grade seven to, to grade 12. So oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah was, I love Sylvan Lake. Like, yeah there's lots of um the water slide there i had like the season pass for the summer so that's pretty cool me too did you know that was like an internationally award-winning um water slide and you and i got to actually live it like just no particular reason it's just there in the middle of freaking nowhere alberta and we yeah. got to have season passes and play on the stupid water slide all summer long it was funny i was talking to my husband about that and he is like could you imagine because in those days like my parents would just let me go and they knew if i wasn't on the slides i was in off the pier like i was in mm -hmm. one or the other and that was totally fine but i could never imagine doing that with my daughter today <laughs> yeah that's that's actually a funny thing about uh daughters and or the difference between daughters and boys because i have a 12 year old son and i let him do so much compared to what i let my daughter do so yeah it's kind of uh what do you call that uh, Having a blank out moment, sorry. I should take a drink. <laughs> Not gender equality, what would it be? Yeah, I, I was gonna call sexist, but- Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's it, it's, it's very sexist. I couldn't think of that. Like to think that I actually treat her like that or I treated her like that. Like, you know, you don't think you do it, but you always wanna protect that daughter. Like, that's the main thing. Like, in sons, you're like, ah, get up, wash it off. You're okay. Daughters, you'd be like, oh, my God, are you all right? Let's go to the hospital. Yeah, uh, it's it's just, 
I don't know what it's like to have a son. My birthing experience here was so awful that we, uh, I was too traumatized to have another child actually. So I wanted to have more kids, but mm -hmm. uh, we had planned to have more kids, but I, I could only, I, I ended up only having the one and it was a, a daughter. So, and like watch, just living this life with her, um, I mean, I mean, we're in Calgary and unlike, I, I, I've never felt as unsafe as I do here. It's the cops are everywhere. I live in a neighborhood where a young man, his name was Colton Crochu, was murdered and uh, the police, the way they treated his family. I mean, it, it is just not safe to be walking these streets. I've done so many uh, vigils of missing and murdered indigenous women. Um, mm, yeah. yeah, so it, it's, not, it's not safe here. So it, it's, it's impossible. My, I put my daughter in my martial arts as soon as one would accept her. And mm -hmm. uh, she only quitted at the pandemic, um, her martial arts. So uh, we'll see now that things are starting to open up a bit, how, um, you know, what sports and activities she chooses to go into, but she's about to turn 14. So the uh, learner's license is the highest priority at this time. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so um, obviously water slides were a good memory of Sylvan Lake. And uh, if you were in HJ Cody, we all know the same teachers and everything then. So, Mr. Roland was the principal or what? I think, I don't know if he was vice, vice principal. principal or, yeah. yeah. Swaby was the, was the principal and then uh, yeah. Roland was the vice. I always liked Mr. Roland. Everyone liked not Mr. Lot, Roland. Not a, lot, not a lot of people didn't like that in my class, but he was really nice to me, so. Yeah, he was nice to me too. And my mom was a substitute there, so she was always really chumming oh, around with the teachers. Mrs. Rafferty, a sub. Okay, I'll think about yeah. that. I'm going to talk to my husband. So my husband grew up in Southern Lake too, and uh, oh, we're okay. high school sweethearts. So we actually have a very similar memories of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but different because, like you know, we grew up. Uh, we were in grade four and five split class together at Mr. Everett's at CP Blakely. You know. Like that, we go that far back. Holy, that's a long time. <laughs> I know nobody, nobody knows each other as long as we've known each other. It's so weird. So anyway, um, it was really great that like when I seen some of these names like Rick Malcolm, I'm like, do I know that guy? Do I know that guy? So I've been trying to think if I knew him, but and even even looking at him, I was like, God, I sure I recognize him, but I can't I can't remember. So yeah. I mean we've only met like if for an hour. So I'm sure I'll I'll remember here later. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's really cool to to see these pictures and to share this with you because um we were together. We just didn't know each other. That's true. Yeah. Could have been at the water slide at the same time. Totally. Uh, you might have been <laughs> that little kid that was like, ah jerk. And you're like, oh my God, that girl looked at me. Just kidding. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you face no racism at all. That's good. Yeah, not in Sylvan Lake. Yeah. Which is surprising, but because yeah. it's so so close to that one town, Benelto, and it seemed that was really racist town. I don't know. That's just my opinion. No, I you shouldn't know, say that. <laughs> you know Dr. Dina Henshaw, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she grew up in Sylvan Lake and she graduated in it would have been 93 with my my husband's grade that was his grade and okay. uh yeah so all the Benelto kids like when they came to H.J. Cody it was like you know and, and then there was a Christian school a private Christian school that all of the kids would be forced to come to H.J. Cody eventually so it was always interesting how they stayed in their little cliques and then mm -hmm. uh you know and then they were forced to deal with the rest of us it was only like I don't know 
30 of us per class that ended up graduating. So they were forced to get to know us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those Benalto kids. Go ahead. We're at Leduc. We're at Leduc. So yes. this is a cute picture. You yeah, that's uh, at the ferries with my friend Richard. So the Leduc has a ferry? Oh, no, that's just, uh, I put the picture there because it's the only picture I could find of me and Richard and we were like best friends. Cool. So, yeah, and that's what, he's like the first kid I like got to know in Leduc, but Leduc was uh, truly a horrible experience at first. Oh. Yeah. Lots of bad memories there. Oh, I'm sad to hear that. People will have to read the book to find out more. So yeah, that's good. And then I seen the word wrestling and I'm like, oh my God, he was totally into wrestling too. Yeah. Yeah. So wrestling's great. Yeah. Well, that's all we had to live for was like Saturday night's main event or, um, you know, then the stampede wrestling and it was still WWF at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had those. So, and then here's an amazing shot of the uh, red van that, you know, would have been commonplace at that time. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'd love to have a red van like that right now to go traveling in. That'd be fun. Right? They're so yeah. expensive, though. They are. Even the old, old ones. They're like crazy prices right now. Yep, absolutely. So I love this picture of grade nine with the van. And then we have high school here with cute puppy. Yeah, that's DJ. DJ. DJ yeah. Well, we love DJ. And uh, so my husband he was also an LA uh, Raiders fan at the time too. I think everybody was, especially if you like rap music. Well, that, that would have been when NWA first came out, right? So everybody yeah. was wearing Los Angeles everything because they were so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand the Compton uh, LA thing until I was older, sadly. I wasn't, you know, I just didn't understand the geography of that area. So, but yeah, everybody had LA raiders everything didn't they yeah and that i that would have been the same, same time the chicago black or uh, uh chicago uh bull bulls were really popular so i see and like starter jackets and whatnot yeah exactly so that that kind of started too so it looks like you're a wrestler here oh well, i was trained to become a wrestler awesome that's yeah. taking the stampede wrestling to the next level friend holy yeah, but there's a story to that. Yeah, well, I can't wait for yeah. people to read your book. And that, I, and that's kind of the whole point, right, is to try to encourage people to read your book. And right yeah. now, how would people access your book? Um, right now, I'm, I like, oh, I'm trying through like Facebook and Facebook Marketplace. I've just started on Twitter, um, Instagram, Snapchat, just whatever I can. Like all free social medias trying to use as much as possible right on yeah well i will love to promote your book in any way i can so are, are you going to charge people for it um well there's a page for 60 scoopers and i don't charge them but i'm trying to sell it for like everywhere else yeah yeah so that's good how much so are you selling it for uh the pdf copy is what's mainly for sale right now um, that is $12.15 because I wanted to pay kind of tribute to the 215, the original 215. And um, the, 
what is it the published copy or it's not published yet but self-published copy was yep. like twenty dollars right now nice so yeah nice well that's great and then you even um have more in it hey eh? yeah natasha that's my ex-wife yep yeah and then we have uh some more pics coming up harmony was born and that changed your life completely and i love these types of pictures these are my favorite yeah that yeah. was just completely like captured like out of like pure accidental because i was just taking pictures of us and she like did that and it was like captured and it was, it's my one of my favorite pictures of her it's like a perfect picture it's one of my favorite uh father daughter type pictures that i've seen in a long time so i'm so glad that you shared that with us and single gym. <laughs> single gym <laughs> You're not single anymore though, right? No, this no. is okay. This is actually a newer picture. I should have used like one from when I was younger, but I like this picture because I had Oilers in it. So <laughs> right on. Well, I'm happy for you, man. Um, and then pro wrestling. Like yeah. so amazing. This is my yeah, biggest that's... shame and regret. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let other people read your story. So that they can hear about what it is and uh you took took a break your adopted dad has been diagnosed with dementia yes uh, he has so that's tough um yeah it kind of really altered my view of him 100 percent. yeah yeah like i've like completely moved on from being better at him mm -hmm. and it was all because i i can't think of watching him suffer and then still be mad at him because he's going to go through terrible time. Yeah. And There's a, a movie from Anthony Hopkins that's just coming out that I, I've been interested in seeing. And it's, uh, it's basically trying to depict the worldview of somebody living with that. And, uh, and that matters to us because my husband's uh, grandma's going through that right now and she's oh, in a okay. home. Yeah. So it's, it's hard because during stupid COVID, she's deteriorated so much yeah that's terrible and like you can't even go there and see her probably and like help her out with memories and whatnot well and then we were trying to find out what like home he's in or she's in so that people so that we knew to watch the numbers but you know sometimes uh that's not what families want to tell so we we never yeah. got to know and so yeah there's a lot of like it's hard when when your family's not a hundred percent interested in in you know divulging that type of information so yeah 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 so we were always afraid that there's going to be a COVID outbreak wherever she was so yeah that's what like where most of them have been bad outbreaks and it's kind of scary right and you know if you have dementia like how do you even have a conversation about a freaking virus and when you know like the last report we got was that she was you know thinking she was a little girl waiting for her mom and dad to come out of her so oh okay. yeah so that's where she's at in her dementia so oh yeah anyway. yeah i'm not looking forward to that for him but oh, i know terrible. that's part of reality and we don't talk about it right um and interestingly yeah. enough i'll just say i'll give a shout out i heard it's elder abuse awareness week um because you know it's easy to manipulate people when they're vulnerable and because we're we as humans are such jerks <laughs> now yeah. it's a thing so anyway but this is a nice shot it looks like you're an oilers family 
Um, no, they just put on the clothes. Only me. Only you. Okay. Yeah. Everybody else likes different teams like Montreal and Toronto. And ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, and this is Samantha with her dad. Um, this was actually taken. Oh, what was it three or four days? No, five days before he passed away. Oh. Um, we rushed up. Here, I'm just going to give it a backstory. We rushed up there because they said he had less than 24 hours to live. Wow. Yeah. And so we went up there and he perked up for three days that Samantha was there. Mm. And then this was a sh- the shot of him. And like he came back to life. And it was probably one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my like whole life because I got to see like what pure love is. And that's pure love of his daughter. Aww. And yeah. And it just always sticks with me because, you know, I got to watch it and, you know, it's his, it's her dad and that's yeah, good. It's pretty sad. Yeah. But, no, it's the worst. I hate death, but I, that's part of my healing journey is trying to figure out how to navigate it better. So Tyson, he's pretty cute. Holy. Yeah. That's my 12 year old. Yeah. Hey. Aww. Yeah. So Samantha is about to turn 14. So our kids are so close in age too. Can't believe it. And here's oh. Harmony. Holy, she's so pretty. Yeah, she's she's gonna be a heartbreaker when she starts dating. <laughs> Going to be? Holy. I think you're or she trouble. is now. Yeah, she's it, she is now, my friend. I'm sure she's, she's up in um Grand Prairie with her mother right now. So yeah, it's just it's different because I don't get to be around her all the time. Yeah, because like, she was with me from grade five to 11. Yeah. And then she wanted to go up to be with her mother. And I don't, I'm not there to watch her, you know, blossom more. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of different. I bet. And hmm. it looks like, is this your mushroom? No, this is Harmony's mushroom. Okay. And it was a big loss for her and her birth mom. Hmm. Oh, I guess. Yeah. All everybody. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. This is my brother, Mark. Um, he passed away oh. uh, just over a year ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He was um, living in Long Beach, California, uh, doing pipeline work. And he just, he got, uh, what is it called? Assaulted? No. Like, yeah. Like in December. And then he had a brain bleed that he didn't know about. And then in May, he just, drop dead hola yeah i'm so sorry yeah i know it's pretty terrible and he's got a beautiful 15 year old daughter too and mm-hmm. she's just without her dad so that kind of sucks yeah so you get to be uncle hey yeah well she yeah. lives in vegas so i don't get to see her okay gotcha yeah Aww. well and this is my birth father rodney mcdonald yeah I don't know too much about him, but I don't know. I didn't slander him in the book, so that's pretty good. <laughs> I have a friend named John McDonald, and he's just put out a book of poetry. Um, I wonder if you two are related. I don't he's pretty know, active. Lots of McDonald's in Edmonton. Yeah, I haven't met fair. them really, though. Yeah, that's fair. And you got lots of animals, both in yeah. your book and in real life, hey? Yeah. Right on. Yeah, this is uh, 
a really good read. I can't wait to read it and uh, and know more about you and, and read your story. And uh, I'm so you were saying that you're involved with the 60 Scoop uh, group now, hey? Yeah. That's good. So do you, a lot of you get to kind of talk about the issues of like loss of identity and reclaiming who you are with limited to no resources thanks to government policy? <laughs> um, not a lot like there's, oh, okay, baby. there's a lot of uh people leave their opinions on there and like to leave like um messages of like encouragement to people but lots of people don't open up so which i understand because it's traumatic and lots of post-traumatic stress syndrome from everything and yeah uh, yeah so it's like i wrote this so like um you know maybe somebody will read it and be like you know i want to tell my story yeah and i would love to read somebody's story like and just get to know who they are and what they went through and like mine is not on the level as some but mm -hmm. i just thought i felt like sharing it and like i don't know in hopes somebody would like be like oh i need to tell mine yeah, and then that's the whole point of having you on the podcast too, is because I know somebody who's listening is going to really relate to everything you've said. And if they're watching us on the YouTube, they'll relate to some of the things that they've witnessed from, from the book. And my hope is that my viewers or, or my listeners will uh, pick up your book and, and, you know, have that conversation because there's unfortunately way too many uh, folks in our, our situation that are reclaiming who they are because you know it was purposefully done so we wouldn't know who we were yeah yeah I yeah see. yeah i've read the uh truth and reconciliation commission i have a book club here in calgary and uh, we go through go through it through it like the volumes and such so it's been really um eye-opening about how child welfare was even formed it was formed because of indian residential school and it's a pipeline. Um, I have the inquiry report, and it's a pipeline for missing and murdered Indigenous women too. So it's all interconnected. It's insidious, and mm -hmm. uh, you know I wish you the best on your reclaiming journey, and uh, hope that you can you know keep me apprised and and yeah. let me know when you have some really great news, and so we can update the folks that are listening and uh, go from there. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me on. It's been awesome and i will keep you informed because i'm on twitter like or i just started twitter so i'm just going to start going from there oh that'd be awesome like constantly promoting this thing it's <laughs> annoying hey that's what i want i want you to be a uh, well i i annoy myself frankly i'm not gonna lie i can't stand listening to myself but I'm grateful that i have people that are willing to listen to me and you know if i can um talk to folks like yourself like Honestly, when I seen some of the um, places that you had been and where you were born, I'm like, oh my God, this is like my native brother and I don't even know this map. So yeah. I was super excited to, to really just talk to you and get to know you because, you know, I wanted to, I can't wait to read your book. And I'm, you know, that's, that's what I love to do. I love to read. And I know that not too many people love to read. So I don't know what's wrong with me that I can't wait to read your book, but I am that person. And that's, I think that's uh, perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, and, and if I can get it printed out, I'll probably put it with some of the um, 
uh, the TRC has the one volume that's really specific about child welfare forming. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, it's not just you. I know so many people who are 60 scoop kids and, you know, trying to reclaim who they are. And I, uh, you know, obviously they, they need to tell their stories their way. And my hope is that your book and being on the podcast will help inspire others. But also a lot of allies um, are listening and they really don't understand the devastation of the, you know, red flags that happen at the hospital that indicate somebody's native and that they just steal the ch child and the long-term impacts of um, child apprehension. So yeah. that's why I also want you on here. It's not just to have, you know, Indigenous who will relate to what you're going through, but also to have Canadians see the damage these policies do and that that's why it's important to have indigenous led uh, government policy and not um you know settler led <laughs> yeah yeah so True. yeah is there anything else that you'd like to add today um well um i'm on twitter james rafferty uh my book's baby no name 60 scoop memoir um feel free to add me i add everybody right on yeah. Right on. And actually, um, one of my favorite people is Adam Northpagan. And he is actually a 60 scoop. Um, he's part of an organization that does like trauma healing work and such. So I'll uh, send, yeah, I don't know what it's called, but I'll send you yeah. a screenshot of his card. And because um, I know he'll want to connect with you. And, um, you know, hopefully I can get him on my podcast when he's not busy, but he's, he's so busy because he's from Pagani. So they have the um, coal mine thing happening right now. Um, his niece, Marilyn, is running for Ward um, 7 here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. So he's busy. <laughs> so I'm hoping we can get him on the show, but he's a good man. And he opened up. Um, it was a cold, cold day on February 14th, uh, which is the day we honor a lot of missing and murdered Indigenous women. And of course, the North Pagan family has been impacted by um, uh, poor government policy leading to death mm -hmm. in their own family. So it was really empowering to see an Indigenous woman who's running for city council. She'll be the first Blackfoot ever to run for city council. So it was a really you know, impactful moment. And anyway, Adam opened up with the uh, opening prayer. So you know, these are our folks that are going through the same reclaiming of their identity and bringing that back. And, and anyway, we're all interconnected. Yeah. And uh, that I'm it's really good, honored. Though. Yeah, yeah, really I, honored to have you on my show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really fantastic meeting you and just kind of kind of just organically came together, which was really cool. And I, I'm a big believer if it's meant to be, it's meant to be if it isn't, it isn't. So yeah. that's why when it happened, I'm like, well, it's meant to be for a reason. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope that we can promote your book. And I've already retweeted you and your book because um, usually on native Twitter, what we do is we're like, oh, a new native, we, we immediately follow and bring him into our world. So yeah. Um, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out if you like see weirdness or, or anything like that you don't know what's happening let me know because okay. sometimes um we have like a lot of folks leading people in different directions because the, the problem with um trauma unresolved trauma is that it's so easy to mislead people and i see that all the time um and it sucks because it creates uh what's called lateral violence and internalized mm -hmm. racism so you and i are unpacking internalized racism from 
you know, being in a really unsafe place like central Alberta and, you know, experiencing yeah. that racism. But, uh, you know, that's, that's our journey, I guess. And um, I know I'm a, like a living lotto ticket when I found out what happened to not just my mother, but my grandmother. I felt mm -hmm. very lucky to even be alive, frankly. So yeah, so that's yeah. a good part, hey? Yeah, yeah. And get to have a beautiful journey with my daughter and my husband. So, uh, you know, and I want that for you. And I want all Indigenous people to thrive. It's the best revenge that we could possibly have um, mm -hmm. in, for government policies and meant, meant to eliminate us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do my exit here. And again, I invite you to, you know, chime in if there's anything that you want to ask about or if you want to add and actually you know what even just having this conversation i think i need to add uh, the 60 scoop information uh because i don't have it i have the hope for wellness helpline and the mmiw inquiry helpline but um i need to add more resources for 60 scoopers i think so it's been really great having you on the show so that i, I see my blindness that i should be adding that um Anyway, I'm really proud this awesome. podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training, cultural first aid in almost every one of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. I want to say thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, uh, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca of what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. So I encourage folks who don't understand to start there. Uh, their work on those cultural action tools that I've said over 100 times in my podcast uh, support Indigenous work. So have that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight these resources and repeat it here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Um, RacialEquityTools.org, uh, What is Internalized Racism by Donna Bevins, uh, unpacks it slightly there, and Do's and Don'ts for Bystander Intervention for American Friends uh, Service Committee has some really good ideas if you see, say, somebody with a uh, hijab being harassed on the sea train, which is exactly what just happened in Calgary, and I've been giving these resources, and yet here we are. Um, if you see or experience racism here in Alberta, you can report it to Act to End Racism or text at 587-506-3838. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs, services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action and the recommendations of the Royal Commission of Aboriginal Peoples Report. The multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention programs, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls in Two-Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. 
demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they have zero business running. It should be understood by all parties and local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. A great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. And I said it in the hopes that people would understand. And now we're in a post-215 world and um, I'm still angry and gaslit because we've been talking about this in previous episodes as well. And so for some reason, when we tell the, the stats that you know one out of 24 kids didn't come back from Indian residential school and one out of 25 came back from the war. Like there's not a correlation of understanding there are literally cemeteries beside every one of these schools. Anyway, if you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text at hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It is also toll-free, 24-7 crisis line. Uh, for non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area and usually a functioning 211, but you can also call 833-456-4566. And again, if you experience racism in Alberta, you can text 587-506-3838. Uh, if you go over to um, the Trevor Project, there's tons of resources for trans uh, LGBTQ2 plus youth. I also like to um, include the kids help phone because I personally used that when I was a kid. 1-800-668-6868 and lifevoice.ca has crisis supports for LGBTQ2 plus. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started the podcast to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, sure want to tell us theirs by people who know nothing about Indigenous colonialism, the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. Microaggressions, uh, people dealing with internalized racism who become gatekeepers and survive off the status quo for people who are in their trauma and stop people from being able to do the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I started the podcast as a way to be heard. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I am a second generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing, for, for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, childhood friend, father of our child, he has supported me down my journey of the Red Road and has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, I'm honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is that my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe. 
go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts. And I want to end by giving side eye to the Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks for listening.